Welcome to the Kumbaya Podcast, the whole woman's resource. Are you interested in being your best self, feeling truly healthy and alive? To do this, we want to consider all of our needs, mental, emotional, physical, nutritional, financial, creative, and spiritual. This podcast is designed to uncover all the amazing resources we have available to help us. Join me, Dr. Amanda Shipley, a pelvic physical therapist who would love to help you prevent issues before they arise and support you along your holistic health journey. Visit me at kumbayallpodcast.com if you want to check out the show notes for this episode. We will also have links to any resources mentioned during this conversation. I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chantal. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. It's an honor. Very excited to be here. Thank ah, you, Amanda. I cannot wait for people to hear um, everything that you have to share. I just have been blown away every time I've spoken with you. We haven't had the opportunity to meet in person yet, but um, just anytime we've interacted, I, I'm just so impressed and I'm so honored that you agreed to come onto the podcast. So let us start with, um, you know, you telling us about yourself and how you got into your line of work. Okay, yes. Uh, so I'm Chantal Traub, and I'm an active birth doula and childbirth educator. And I've, I've been assisting expecting families in New York City for 21 years. Um, and I also have a background um, as a yoga teacher and um, an integrative women's health coach um, and a postpartum rehab specialist. But what I found from going to you know hundreds and hundreds of births is that moms are often underprepared for the pushing part of labor. What I found is that they would often push really forcefully into their faces, creating broken blood vessels or broken capillaries or pushing really forcefully into the abdomen, sometimes creating a, a separation of the recti abdominals or weakening the ab, ab, abdomen or if they had a diastasis, making it worse or pushing really forcefully into the pelvic floor, sometimes creating unnecessary long-term weakness and damage and often some unnecessary tears right at the end. And I kept asking the providers that I worked with, like, why aren't we preparing our moms better? Yeah. And the answers that up and get is like moms will get it on the day of and, and they just have to figure it out one time. And once you've had one baby, it's so much easier the next time. And in the, my childbirth classes, you know, I'm certified through a couple of different institutions and it was always like just skimming over pushing and we were often always uh taught that it would be something intuitive you'd know when to push you'd know how to push mm. but i it wasn't always like that no. for my clients and so i just felt very driven to find a way to help my own clients push more safely and effectively and then at, at the same time as a yoga teacher some of my older students would share with me that they who had had their children you know many many years ago were having some type of pelvic pain some type of leak in when they jumped or sneezed or even a prolapse and when I started to you know unpack the stories with them mm -hmm. they inevitably went back to their births mm -hmm. and so what I began to realize is that as we age and our bodies begin to change, those obstetric events from the past may catch up with us. And our pelvic floor is 
is such an essential part of us. It's our, you know, it's our, it's our deep center and the, the function of the pelvic floor is so important for our whole lives. So I just became so passionate about preparing moms so that they could, you know, prevention is better than cure, right? So yes. if we could prevent damage, yes. oh, how much, so much better than looping back and trying to, you know, pick some of the things that just, you know, just never heal the way they were. Yes. I, I think that's so powerful. And I think, you know, I hear that too, where just like, oh, just they'll get through it, they'll deal with it, and then it'll be better the second time. Well, why sacrifice the pelvic floor? Why have damage from the first birth to know that, oh, but the second one will be easier? Well, a lot of women, after they have that first baby, they're not so sure they want to have the second baby, depending exactly. on how they they need, yeah. you know, assistance, vacuum extraction or, or something doesn't or they don't even get the vaginal delivery that they want because the baby doesn't descend and, you know, and they and they can't get it to they can't push it out. You know, it's just there's so much um, that your class, I think, teaches not just for the pushing phase of labor, but just for the the labor and delivery and the preparation for the whole process, which is something that I have really worked in my practice to to work now that I've had two children of my own is is the prevention is just you know how can we even get them to have a vaginal delivery how can it be safer and more effective and efficient and um and just overall better you know yeah no absolutely I think that understanding the physiology of birth both for the mother and the baby is so important because when you really understand that, then you realize you don't have to do so much. You just have to make space and allow it to happen. And how can you support the baby do what it needs to do? Right. right. Well, and I think that making the connection to that, what we do with our bodies and, you know, how we are and how we go about our day and the, the activities that we do leading up to birth make a difference and make an impact on birth. Right. So absolutely. Exactly. Making that connection where it's not like, oh, we see these women all day in heels or we see them. And I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit. So we don't know how our body is going to respond to labor and delivery and and what's going to happen in every birth is is beautiful and wonderful. And the way it's going to happen, that happens is okay. But I think if we have a way to prevent injury or to prevent any any dysfunction, you know, from happening afterward, it's why not? Why not work toward that? Yeah, I'm totally with you, Amanda. If you can control the controllables, because yes, there is so much uncertainty generally anyway around birth. And certainly when you are in a position where there are other factors coming into play. So the more that one can prepare, and it's really awareness, I think awareness, um, of our bodies and the way that we move and and as you mentioned in heels like the way we stand and the way um we sit is so important so i i'm with you on that i think you know not only just the heels but i think that we're and and it kind of as a physical therapist you may see this as well just you know the way that the pregnancy changes the posture is that a lot of moms become like tail suckers like they mm. really grip in um yes. in the way that they stand and they sit in and just that in itself kind of 
one you know tightens and weakens that you know the the pelvic floor the posterior triangle the pelvic floor but also minimizes space in the pelvis for the baby to come into and then leave the pelvis so just understanding you know our posture and alignment I'm, I'm totally with you on that you can do so much just with that yes. you know our movement matters for sure oh i totally agree so i know you have um a live class called Pushing Power that you teach, <laughs> used to teach in person, but you also now teach it online. And I super really enjoyed it, uh, taking it when I was pregnant with my second baby. So I know you give incredibly, you know, absolutely incredible information in there. Can you tell us um, just a few of the things that you recommend birthing people do to prepare for their labor and delivery? Yeah, so my pushing power class, which is on second stage of labor on the pelvic floor, so how to push safely and effectively um, and protect, you know, the perineum for birth and really what one can can do ahead of time to prepare. So, you know, in my classes, I, I definitely teach about the physiology of birth for both mom and the baby. And I encourage, you know, pregnant people to start considering the baby's role in birth and what one can do to support that, you know, during the pre towards the end of the pregnancy and certainly during during the birth and during the pushing part. But there's something there's another area that I think is worth spending time and thinking about and preparing. Um, and then I would like to look back to just how we move in space, because I think that's also very important. But but birthing people need to feel safe and yes. supported and protected to give birth. I think it's so essential. But it's one thing to say, OK, you need to feel safe. OK, feel safe. <laughs> it doesn't quite <laughs> doesn't quite work like that. So asking the questions ahead of time what does it mean for me to feel safe? Like what, how, what, how, what do I need to feel safe? What do I need to feel supported? Yes. What do I need to feel protected? And so that actually involves some inquiry. Um, and it's, it's deep inquiry. We're looking at our relationships, our very close relationships, right? And then we're also looking at the provider that we choose because the provider that we choose plays such a big role, one, in, you know, patience, you know, mm -hmm. during and support during labor, but also in protecting the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. But those 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 difficult questions sometimes about just our prior relationships, the one that we had, you know, with our own mothers or our own relationships in our childhood, the relationship that we have with our partner, our spouse, um, to look at that and then you know certainly now during a pandemic when there's always uncertainty around birth there always is but now what choices do i have what choices do i have right now at the place that i'm giving birth and during the pandemic that changes a lot on a day-to-day yes. basis but as the world opens up and you know things return sort of back to normal but where you choose to give birth to find out ahead of time you know what positions can i uh, can I, you know, labor in? What positions will you catch my baby in? You know, so that you know ahead of time what you're up against and can kind of mentally prepare for it because never assume anything. Um, it's best to ask your questions ahead of time. Good. And then the other thing that I would say is is really, really important. I mean, often my my clients and my students will say, tell, just tell me what I need to do to get the baby out of me. What do I have to yeah. do to get this baby out? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if we could shift our perspective to 
not really the we get in the baby out, but how do we let go to let the baby out? Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Release the baby out. So again, that's there are lots of layers there. Yes. But if we're looking at, you know, our body and how we can support our body ahead of time, how we can prepare our body. And I'm a huge advocate for physical therapists. So if you have a physical therapist, work with a physical therapist because they can really work with you, you know, on, you know, muscularly and, you know, on your skeleton, like making everything more balanced and aligned and ligaments and fascia and all the layers. Yes. Well, and, and I think with pelvic PT, it's also, it's the evaluation, right? Because there's so much information online and there's so much um, that you can do. But when you have someone who's looking at your body and saying, okay, in your body right now, this needs to be worked on. This this needs a little help to get a, aligned or strengthened or relaxed or um, coordinating better. Um, yeah. So it's that evaluation is that specifics of of, uh, you know looking at someone and and helping their body in particular I think is good 100% and I know not everyone can afford that but just according to your own level because it's really individualized patient care it's the whole person care so having someone that takes you know an interest in your specific history and how that may relate to birth and what your beliefs are and your fears and your hopes and your goals and you know, just that, what's your level of activity? What are your patterns, you know, um, you know, your medications, your nutrition, and specifically look at those patterns, both movement patterns and breath is a big factor for me as well, you know. Yeah. But, but yes, so I think, yes, having that initial assessment is is gold. Mm-hmm. And I heard you say, so there's a couple of things I want to tease out here that were just amazing. So the safe, supported, and protected. And and earlier you had mentioned awareness. And I really think, and I, I know I see this in my practice, that this is where so many of us can get so much benefit because I feel like in our society now, we kind of operate on on just this more superficial level. We don't really get into our body we don't give ourselves time to think, what do I feel about that? What do I want about that? You know, so some of those questions of that are so introspective, like what do I need to feel safe? What do I need to feel supported? I think when you're in the position of, okay, you got the excitement, you got the first baby on the way, and you just think, I've got to... Um, get my body strong. I don't want to be weak. I need to be strong. And and so it that safe, supported and protected, I think is so amazing because I don't think we stop and and think and let ourselves think about the answers to those questions. We wouldn't have, I wouldn't have if I wasn't prompted for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then yes. Because yeah. Yeah. nobody thinks necessarily that that's what labor is about. And, 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 and what you said, yes, everybody thinks I need to be strong mm-hmm. because I need to muscle my way through labor. I need to be strong. It's a marathon, but, you hear people say. <laughs> it's a marathon. Yes, it's a and marathon. I felt that way too before my first, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, it's, it's a mental, emotional marathon, mm-hmm. I think. It's, mm-hmm. it's a psychological marathon. Um, you're in it for the long haul, right? So it's a marathon in, you know how they say sometimes like, in a crisis, you know, like when people train, like in the army or whatever, yes, they train for that crisis and you're only kind of 
you'll only reach the level that you're trained for, right? So we only get to that point where where our habits are. So if we look at our habits, when things go into crisis, we always end up like wherever we are in where we hold in with our habits. So developing good habits actually while you're pregnant is fantastic for labor and also for postpartum and beyond. So whether it's, you know, all those habits. So yes, so going back to being strong, yes, you want to be strong for the marathon of labor, but it's not so much physical. Yes, it's physical. You do want some upper body strength. We do we do want strength, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's the interesting thing, the power is really in the release and in the letting go. Yes. And and that we need balance there. So when I work with my clients, I, you know, I do take a whole history and of course, you know, this inquiry and find because sometimes it's our strengths that trip us up and what we right, what we really want to support are the vulnerabilities and uh, we want to kind of find that balance. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. So it's, it's, and especially for letting the baby out, right? For the pelvic floor, we want strong, yes, but we want a supple, pliable pelvic floor because that is least likely to tear. Yes, I completely agree. And what you say there with letting go to let the baby out, underlying that is an expectation that this is natural, this is normal. It's going to come out, you, you know, it's not like, it's not going to happen if we don't do something right or we're going to mess it up. It's it's like we're going to let go to, to let it out. It would come out on its own anyway, which is, you know, just that mental that uh, that it's a natural process. It's it's OK. I love that. And and just the release, like you said, it, um, I think that's where individualized care we could do so so well. We could do so much better for our birthing moms, birthing people if everyone could see and obviously disclaimer i'm biased because i'm a pelvic pt but you know everyone could see a pelvic pt and get one or two sessions you know one to three sessions even just to to have that individualized evaluation to know where they're starting at and if people have a lot of strength and they have a lot of tightness in their muscles they don't need to be doing kegels they need to be relaxing they need to be practicing that letting go and letting the baby out now if someone Mm -hmm. had the habit of being a couch potato and was not taking good care of their body uh, you know which really is not the case that i i've seen but if there was something like that where they're not drinking enough water or they have to do more you know then that's a, a time to to invite them to do more squats and do do this but nine times out of ten People are not, and I can't say nine times out of 10, but a lot of times it's the opposite. We're, we're already on point with so much of what we need to do. We're not on point with our mind, with our mental, you know, being there mentally, getting into our body and out of our mind and, um, and the releasing and the relaxing and the lengthening of the pelvic floor is what we need to learn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. No, I agree. A lot of my clients, I mean, especially here in the American culture, I think, you know, exercise and you know most people are mm-hmm. um obviously not everyone and certainly meeting our patients and clients where they're at you know meet them where they're at um but yes yeah, so you ask like what what are some tips like i will hear well here in new york city you know spinning is the craze um i don't know about where you're at and i'm i'm like in the third trimester stop spinning let's let's find something else to yeah. work on because i just that is 
feels like that is one thing that really tightens everything up. Yes. Um, and, and the other thing is it's not, you know, I don't want to say don't do something because I think that exercise and movement is definitely helpful for, you know, mental health too. Nice. But what can we uh, substitute or what can we add in? And so what I've noticed with a lot of my clients, a lot of the culture is that we, you know, some of my clients will like spin, you know, five days a week and then, you know, run on the weekends. And it's very much the same, the same, the same. And, you know, variety is the spice of life. And when it comes to birth, what's really supported is like functional movement. So we want to be able to move in all the ways. Yes. And I think it's important to, you know, some movements may be difficult for us, but then sometimes those are the movements that we want to modify possibly, but still be able to do that. So I'm often looking at, you know, my clients, how do they get up and down off the floor? How do they move, you know? in different planes and things like that, because that's really supportive of, of, of the body and for hip mobility too. Yeah, for sure. And thinking of functional movements, not that many of us crawl, but isn't crawling just such a great um, activity to help with, Oh, oh it's great. And, yeah, all that. So I mean, just yeah, crawling, around crawling your and, and gorilla walks. Yes, I actually had a client today that I did a session with and, um, and to encourage a baby to come into a more of an ideal position. I was having her rock back on hands and knees and crawling, like get yeah. down low, get down to the ground and crawl. And you can crawl in a variety of ways. You can crawl and then come up into like a lunge and then you could crawl and you know kind of come back into a squat and then yeah. crawl and then move back and forth um and then do some you know pelvic breaths while you're on hands and knees yeah. <laughs> that's be good that's yeah. one thing I, I i definitely make or not make i invite all my patients to do that i see in during pregnancy is, is spend time every day either in hands and knees bent over the back of a chair bent over you know a kitchen counter or something just to to really get into that that forward position to let the baby get into a good position, you know, so the heaviest part of the head, you know, kind of coming to the front and, um, and it just does such wonders for the ligaments. It feels good on your back around the sacrum there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. But I think that, but it also helps with the tail tucking. So if someone's always sitting or standing with it, you know, really gripping in the back, just, when you come onto your hands and knees, you need to be releasing that. Yeah. So that's helpful for that. Great. And is there anything that you suggest people stay away from or try to stop doing when preparing? Well, I mentioned the spinning. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 you know, well, so, you know, every, I'm not sure about other states really because I predominantly, I mean, I have clients, you know, all over the country and all over the world and it's a little different in other countries. But here I would say in New York City for sure spinning is such a huge thing and now there's this the, the is it the peloton bike everybody is spinning on the peloton yes. at the, the bike part yeah. at home I, I you know walking is fabulous if you don't have any sacral iliac issues or pubic symphysis issues walking is just fabulous um but um but to get your heart rate up there are other ways to get your heart rate up um, and to find movements that that does that because you know you want to yes you want to get your heart rate up but also to make sure that you are able to give the baby an opportunity mm -hmm. to catch up with you so we always want to be mindful of that yeah. um, but but it's the spinning that I find particularly not great for what I've noticed in 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 my kind of careers um, 
as a doula. So I will see that the spinners and that forward motion of the spinning, if, if you could find something else to integrate as well, to give yourself a break, I would, I would do that. And, um, and I would say that the kegels in the third trimester is, unless you have a, you know, you know, you have a reason to really strengthen, I would say, downtrain and stop the kegels, yeah. do more the release work. And, and the way that I have my clients do kegels is more in movement. So if you're going to sit to stand, that's when you'd do a pelvic floor contraction or yeah. you're getting up from the ground or you're coming up out of a squat. Mm-hmm. Those are your pelvic floor contractions. So you don't have to add on more kegels. Right. You just, every time you get up and down off a chair, you could do one. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. Cause you're just working it into the functional movements that they're doing anyway. And yes. So I don't, I don't add on other than like supporting your back and your growing abdomen. And um, so that's why I would do it. I would, I would have them do it to in a supportive way. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, the, the two things that come to mind that I usually will say, I don't know if you've seen this in your experiences, um, like heels, wearing heels, especially yeah. when you're into, and it just, it changes the alignment of the pelvis and that's not good. And then also um, sitting cross-legged, you know, like crossing your legs or sitting with a leg tucked underneath you or um, it just doesn't allow the pelvis. And I'm not saying life is very asymmetrical and so you can't totally sit, you know, with even weight through your pelvis at every moment of every day, but the crossing the legs and habitually sitting with one, especially if it's always the same leg tucked underneath you, that really, I, I try to get my yeah. to stop working on that. Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah, absolutely going, going back to that when you're sitting. So it's harder, like if you're working and you're wearing like a tight skirt, right. To find that. But here in New York city, I'm always like, take up the man's play. Cause it's on the train, like really get into it. Get, take some space. Um, but yes, but even if you're crossing one, you know, it, it creates a little broken capillary vein. So that's going to put you off from crossing your legs and yes. let that be it. But yeah. um, yes, because it not only pulls the whole pelvis out of alignment, it pulls the pelvic floor out of alignment. Yes. And what we're looking for is balance. So yes, we do all tend to kind of like rotate forward one way, right? And then I hip mm-hmm. another way. And to maybe become aware of that so that we can kind of unspiral that um, and find more more balance. So if you are needing to cross your leg, then definitely alternate. Or if you're always stepping upstairs, right foot forward, right foot forward, then kind of mindfully try and go, okay, I'm going to step left foot forward. Or I'm going to climb into the bath with my left leg, not always the right leg, yeah. for example, so that we're just, you know, trying to balance that. Yes. Um, but yes, that the leg crossing and and then I, you know, again, I'm just going back to the the tail tucking because, mm. you know, I it it's so easy when you're tired at the end of the day and you're like prepping your vegetables for dinner and you're standing there and you're like notice like oh yeah I'm gripping in my tailbone. Mm-hmm. And I always say give like a little like wag your tail just to release that, yeah. um, and then just kind of find a way that you're rather using your firing up your hamstrings and your glutes and, and, and going back to the heels because that shortens the hamstrings, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which pulls on the whole sacrum exactly, and the pelvis. And, and we, we, we don't want that for birth. We want that length. Right. Yeah. 
And and so you're saying, t- so we should be arching our back and kind of letting our back have that natural arch in it, not rounding the back and tucking the, the butt underneath, like forward. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what? It's a, like, it's a middle road because you don't want, like, if you think about the pelvis as a bowl, and I often think of it as a salad bowl, right? You don't want, or a fruit bowl, you don't want the fruit to fall out necessarily, right? Yes. So you don't want to be so far forward, but you don't want to be back where you're really kind of like tucking your tailbone under you kind of want some movement in your tailbone so you know if you place your hands at you know the top of the elims and just try and find that balance or you're balancing your ribs over your pelvis so there's you do want a little a natural sway so it's not too bad to have a natural sway back I think like I know when we were growing up we were always like told to you know, tuck your tailbone and pull your tummy in, right? But that yeah. wasn't very helpful. But that little bit of a sway back, not, you have to be careful that it's not too much because that's a lot of right. um, stress on the adrenals and the kidneys and the lower back. So, yes, you do want to kind of think of a weighted tail, but not a tucking tail, if you know what I mean. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. it's it, Again, it's about the balance and the happy medium. So if someone's mm-hmm. really letting their belly, and I see this more, more postpartum, that Mm-hmm. Because that center of gravity was shifted forward for so long and now it's back, but our body's still kind of shape shifting back and getting used to itself again. We kind of, and it's just easy to just kind of hang on ligaments and let our belly relax and let our, our, our back arch. And so I do kind of cue people to say, hey, we want to neutralize that a little bit, but you don't ever want to, you still want to have that curve in your back. You don't want to over tuck. Right. Like yes. Can. You don't want to be a soldier. Like this is not the military, you know, yes. the military. So yes. yeah, you don't want to be like that frozen. Sh- yes. So just that, cause there's that natural, just like a little bit of movement happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you I see, that. I'm really curious to see your input on this because I, I see a difference between first time mom, second time mom and in my own personal experience between my first labor and delivery and then my second. So I'm curious if you can highlight, you know, if you see some differences between those experiences of people who've had their first child and then there is like a second or third labor and delivery, what what do you see as a difference? Yeah. I mean, predominantly it's the length of labor, right? Like, so for first time on my first time parents, I'm always saying, you know, expect 24 hours, whether it's 18 to 26 hours, it's totally in the range of normal. I mean, if you have a 12 hour labor for your first baby, that's fabulous. And, you know, 36 hours of labor, you know, it's in the range of normal. Uh, I must say when I work with my clients ahead of time with all that prep in, I, I don't really get those long three-day labors anymore like I've you know like I'm so on the prep yeah so but you know 18 26 hours it's it's not you know that's not unreasonable um and then for pushing ideally you know anywhere from a few minutes to 45 minutes an hour 15 and yes of course it's still in the range of normal to push for three hours but if everything's well aligned it shouldn't necessarily I don't want to say it shouldn't but if everything's really well aligned and that baby's really coming down, um, that that the pushing doesn't, you can shorten the length of pushing. And then with the you know second or third time on that, then often the labors are more like six to twelve hours, and you're pushing for a few pushes or maybe twelve minutes. You know, there's a huge difference because the labor is shorter because the cervix is less rigid and the tissue of the cervix is more uh, pliable and pliant, so the dilation and the effacement just opens a lot easier mm-hmm. um 
that the the difference between second babies and first babies is the second time you tend to show sooner and you carry a little lower yes and you're more tired because you're more busy <laughs> and you and you you feel those the the baby's movements generally you know even up to a month earlier like around 4 months than as opposed to 5 months because your abs are not so as as tight or strong as they were the first time and you may have more breath intake so for second time babies so this is the interesting thing with second or third babies when i work with my clients is yes it may be a shorter labor but what's hard about the second babies you have to be vigilant and patient because a lot of second third time um moms will have kind of this like build up because the uterus has, is not as tight as it was before. You may have like a few days of like, I don't want to say a prodromal labor, but more like a warm up labor. So you might get crampy, crampy, crampy. And you're like, oh, I'm in labor. But you don't want to wait too long, but you want to kind of test it to make sure like often it's a false labor. You get yeah. crampy, crampy, crampy for a few hours and then it spaces and it goes out. Then the next night you get crampy, 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 it spaces, goes out and goes away. And then like a few days later, you actually go into labor. Whereas maybe the first time you didn't feel anything until your first contractions. So you have to be really vigilant, like in terms of ruling out like a real labor or not, but also mobilizing and you get into your place of birth, you know, with enough time. Yeah. So that's the tricky part of second babies. Yes. Yeah, that, that definitely. And that would be a, a great reason to have a doula, to have someone that yeah. is working with you and um, and knows you and is just another set of hands to say, yep, it's time to go. Get there now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with second time moms, once the, con- once the contractions are 10 minutes apart, I'm like, okay, call me and we were, you know, we're moving. Yeah. Um, whereas that would be very early labor for a first time for the first time, but what often happens is with the second time is like you're often walking around very effaced, right? Or very open, not necessarily very effaced. So you could walk around like, you know, two, three centimeters, but the cervix could be still long and posterior. So you have this kind of warming up because the mm. cervix is a little bit more fluffy. Yeah. But then um, once you get to a good, you know, four, five, six centimeters, you're going to move in that very active labor. So often you go from, you know, six, seven, eight centimeters, boom, your water breaks and the baby's on the perineum and you're pushing. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't go that quite like that for the first time. No. <laughs> for sure. um, and now I'm just thinking with the pandemic, I know you switched to doing virtual. Now are you back to doing some in-person or how does that work? I mean, can you do virtual? Fine. I mean, for anyone over or throughout the country now? Yeah, so I, I can do virtual. Um, and what I was doing before um, the pandemic, but actually doing a lot more now, is that I have like a birth um, prep coaching series where it's like six sessions. And I work with my clients to really give them everything that I would give my own clients as a doula. So what I actually cover in my prenatals and I go over you know, a comfort measure session. And there's a few other sessions where I will coach um, my clients to enter their birth with confidence and calm. And I call those coaching sessions birthing strong. So for some people who can't have access to me because, you know, they're not in New York City or just because of the pandemic for different reasons, then I have um, a training uh, series of sessions where I really prepare you to be able to 
and to your own birth <laughs> and yeah. and be able to to really advocate and, and and know how to work with your own body and um and it's been going really really well and yes i am going to, i am back in person for births here in new york city okay. um so yeah i'm back back in back on the on the field yeah that's excellent i knew you had that pushing power but that's amazing that you have the training sessions i think that's so needed and and then it opens it up so you know you can help anyone really if they feel called to work yeah. with you even if they're not in new york city you know oh yeah i have i've been working with a client in china australia oh, and fun. california and <gasps> sweden and yeah it's amazing it's so much fun that's and awesome yeah it's it's great so there's there's ways to say work with me if somebody wanted to but mm -hmm. and also i i give all my experience of what i've you know just been learned from going to births of all these years yeah oh that's amazing <laughs> And then real quick, what is there a way to shorten second stage of labor? I mean, what, what do you suggest for that? Yes, yes. So I would say, you know, like we ideally like, so if someone is having a physiological birth, right? No epidural. Right. And one, we want to really protect the space. So often it's, you know, quiet support or I'm guiding them or saying what I need to say, but I don't want to interrupt them from their own physiological process i don't want to bring them out of themselves right mm -hmm. when they're in the zone so really supporting the mom like it's almost like i often think about like if you look at like elephants in the wild you get all these female elephants that kind of create a circle they're quite further back they're not on top of the laboring elephant but they're close enough right this is the protective circle no one's coming in here to disturb the mom yeah. so undisturbed birth right yes. to really be that circle of protection um and so when the mom gets say to feeling like often the mom goes like oh i feel an urge to push i'm like great um and i reassure that that's good i don't say okay now and i don't call the ob's or i don't call them to say you know it's time to push or I don't say push I'm like oh that's great this is this is exactly how your body should feel your body's just trust your body it's just knowing what to do like she's feeling that urge oh I feel the urge and I'll be like well do you do you feel the urge does it go away when the contraction goes away oh yeah 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 it goes away okay just let it build let it build until that urge is there all the time because it will come to a point when she is pushing yes. rather than feeling the urge and physiologically, the baby is still, when you feel that urge, the head is kind of still flexed, right? It's still pressing on, you know, the anus, the rectum. It hasn't quite kind of slid forward entirely, mm -hmm. right, to come underneath, you know, the pubic bone yeah. before it slides across the perineum and then will birth, right? So mm -hmm. it's a little too soon. So um, I don't want to really tell her when to push. So so you know in essence you don't you don't really want to tell someone when to push or not to push but really support them and encourage them that what they feel in is normal and to you know stay with it and let it build yeah. um then push in with an epidural um one wants to wait really because the the, the the great thing about an epidural though is you can allow if everybody is okay with both mom and baby then you can really allow the baby to labor down so it's low enough that practically the head is visible yeah. the baby's on the perineum um so that's what really protects uh you know the pelvic floor and decreases the pushing time is to allow it to come down and so once it's on the perineum 
usually the mom will have some sensation even with an epidural to be able to push in a coordinated way Mm -hmm. and then it will just then she actively pushes until the baby begins to crown and then again you want to yield and then ease the head out just let the head ooze out Mm -hmm. so you want to really slow down the birth of the head but if we allow that baby to complete its rotation right so the baby has to descend and rotate mm-hmm. before the uterus expulses it if you will mm-hmm. um and that's really what allows that protects the trauma really from the perineum yeah. um is to really really wait until the baby's in a good position now if the baby is you know misaligned or posterior or in some kind of distress, then of course the mom's going to dig deep and help the baby out. Of course, there's time for that. But if everybody's going well, then ideally wait until the baby's so low down that someone checks you and goes, oh, baby's right here. It's on the perineum. Yay. Let's, let's push. Let's have a baby. Um, and then, you know, working with the positions to support the baby's movements can help shorten the pushing stage. Yeah, that was something I loved in the class that you taught, um, that pushing power was going mm-hmm. through all the different positions and all the different ways. If you see this, then, you know, try this. And that that was really eye-opening for me. That was incredible. Yeah, I like to think of the baby. So following the baby, where's the baby and how can we support the baby do what it needs to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Because I, th- I think a lot of times, you know, we think of what we see in movies and we learn by modeling and our, the model that we've seen, and at least in TV and movies, is, you know, women screaming, women on her back, lithotomy position, legs. Ab- we don't see people trying side lying, trying hands and knees. And I think hands and knees maybe a little bit more now, but um, mm-hmm. definitely side lying is not something I really have seen on TV. And it just can be so positive and so helpful. So positive and so helpful. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. Yeah, this has been amazing. I cannot thank you enough. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or or share with Hmm. our listeners? Any other tips or something that we haven't covered? Yeah, let me think for a moment. Oh, here's here's something that I always encourage moms um, if they if they want to, and sometimes you think you don't, but I would I would encourage you just to try. Is once the baby is beginning to crown, ask your provider, ask your midwife or your OB to put your hand down so that you can have the joy of escorting the baby out with your OB or midwife. Mm. I find when my, when my clients put their hand down there, it, it actually, it's like, you should see their face. They put their hand down there. It's like, Oh, Oh, a baby. And it actually slows down that final push where you don't want to blast the baby out when you have the hand on the baby's head it's like oh that feeling of that soft little furry baby's head just filling your hand is so special yes and and i you know it's something that i think is is helpful in many ways yeah that's great advice that yeah and and i don't think we invite enough moms to do that you know to to reach down and try to help you know, and it, like with the, with the doctor, whomever, just to yeah. help us squirt the mm-hmm. baby out and just to feel, I remember with my first delivery, it was very long and very arduous. And my twin sister was really kind of like my doula. And she was every, every contraction she would remind me. And I needed it every single time to say, you're one step closer to meeting your daughter. 
your way. She literally had to remind me because you just get kind of caught up in the moment and you forget what's at the end of all the, the work, you know, it, at least for me, I did at that point. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's right. At literally every moment, she every time she said that, it was like, oh, you're right. So I can see that like reaching down. Totally yeah. Like, oh my God, she's here. It's here. You know. Well, I think you know, like there is a learning curve to push in. There is a learning curve, and the first time it can take some time just getting the coordination right. I mean, if you push in physiologically, then it's a matter of just kind of like maybe someone saying to you, "Okay, just like you know, kind of like maybe pick up this leg and bring this knee down, or just guide you a little bit, yeah. um, or just make you again make you feel safe because it can feel very overwhelming." But for a lot of people, say, who are either pushing with a long descent or with an epidural, it can feel like, oh, my gosh, it's going on forever. And, like, you forget, right? Yes, Yes, I'm having a baby. And just what your sister said was so great because, yes, it's process of elimination. With each each push, you're one step closer to meeting your baby and you you get something, of course, out of that. But just for all the moms listening out there you know they're certainly the first time there is a learning curve and I think often my clients are like kind of underestimate how hard how much hard work uh, pushing can be and that's where you do want that upper body strength actually you do want strength for that or know how to pace yourself but once the baby once the baby's like come in and it's underneath the pubic bone and you and you're so close so if you put your hand there you can actually feel or inside you can feel oh Right. It just, it's that, it's only that far. It's only, it's I'm so close. Yeah. It's very encouraging. Yes. Uh, Home stretch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you or learn more from you? Yeah. So my website, which is um, chantaltraub.com. So C-H-A-N-T-A-L-T-R-A-U-B dot com and i'm on instagram the same name chantal is a full stop and then trab and social media uh, facebook but the best way is to look me up on my website and if you have any questions or would like a complimentary discovery call you can shoot me an email and we can set that up or come and take one of my classes yeah. because they're all they're all virtual now yeah. virtual via zoom I do. I you tell can my from anywhere. about you all the time. Yeah, even <laughs> though you know I'm in Atlanta here and you're in New York. Now it's like, hey, take her class. Oh yeah, send them, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. love it. And yeah, no, it would be a pleasure. And what's great about this is that I, even though I look forward to going and teaching back in person, I'm going to be keeping a certain percentage of my classes um, this way because it's there's so many people that can join that might not have been able to before. I appreciate that. That is very good because yeah, I do believe that more than just New Yorkers need what you have to offer. <laughs> so thank you. I really appreciate your, your support. Amanda. Yeah. You've been wonderful. So thank you. Thank you again for your time and your wisdom and sharing everything. And I would love to have you on again. I'm sure I could, you know, we could find more things and just talk, talk, talk even more. So maybe down the road we'll do this again. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and that you learned something. Just a reminder, this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice or instruction. Please, no action should be taken solely on the contents of this podcast.
podcast. Please consult with your physician or qualified health professional on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast. The information provided is believed to be accurate based on the most current research and best judgment of myself and the other speakers. However, as the listener, you must be responsible for consulting with your own medical or health professional on any matters raised within. Thank you so much.